Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn, 104.9 AM 1260 and hornfm.com. With the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. No more back to thinking, time for thinking ahead. The world has changed so very much from what it used to be. There's so much hatred, war and poverty. Wake up all the teachers, time to teach a new way. Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, you had better. Well, get them out, get them going. It is Friday on B&E, 14 July, midway through the seventh month of the year, and it's going to be hot. What a weekend we've got, 103, 103, 103. It says on uh, my little handy-dandy weather app, blazing hot temperatures here as we roll into uh, a busy weekend. Baseball returns in the major league level, minor league level as well. We've got golf over in Scotland. We've got tennis at Wimbledon. We've got college and pro football conversations to be had as we launch this Friday morning here on the Show of the People. We appreciate you being there, wherever you find us, uh, each and every morning and all day long on 104.9, maybe 1019 FM, could be AM 1260. Appreciate that for you old schoolers. Also, digitally, take us wherever you go. If you're spending some time away, getting some uh, vacation time, leisure time, wherever you are, take us on that Horn app, and that's for always. You can just... uh, Touch a couple of buttons on your smartphone, and you're listening to us live and local and digital as well. You can also find us on your smart speaker by saying, hey, Alexa, turn on 104.9 in Austin or the Horn in Austin. We'll be live with you in your in your office or at home, wherever you are, and we're always streaming and on our Twitch channel as well, where you can watch the show and the shows at our website at hornfm.com. Mr. Godbolt. Good morning to the soldiers at Fort Cabasas, Texas, the soldiers in the state of Texas, and all those that fight for us each and every day. Thank you so very much for what you do. It is amazing, and we do thank you and your families. And, boy, is it going to be another scorcher today. And for those kids that are out there practicing, getting ready for high school football, college football, and the NFL as they get ready to go to camp, wow. What a summer to start your camp. Yeah. All over this country, really. And we talked with uh, Craig Way, voice of the Longhorns, yesterday, and he had uh, David Yeomans, the lead meteorologist at KXAN, on yesterday to talk about a day that yesterday could have been the hottest day ever recorded on the planet. I don't know, because there's a heat wave through Europe. There's a heat wave all over the, the globe right now. And certainly searing hot in Austin, Texas, uh, in this middle-of-the-month uh, conversation. So a lot to do. Stay hydrated. Uh, make a plan. Find water. Stay in air conditioning, whatever you're going to do. But it's going to be hot. That's not breaking news. There is some breaking news from Texas baseball. There's actual live golf going on right now, Buck, over at the Scottish Open. Oh, yeah. Prepping us for next week's Open Championship, the uh, final major of the golf calendar. Uh, they're getting tuned up on those Lynx golf courses in Scotland. And, uh, man, they get person on the move right now. Several people having great early second rounds. Terrell Hatton, Patrick Harrington, Scotty Scheffler. 
is to within a two strokes of the lead. He's five under for his round today through 15 holes. Max Homer, Ricky Fowler coming strong as well. Uh, you know, the, the, the clubhouse leaders from overnight haven't even teed off yet. Byung Hung on and uh, Rory McIlroy. So we'll keep you posted on the golf leaderboard. But, yeah, Scotty Scheffler making a run at the Scottish Open. It's really cool. They've uh, really ramped up the, the prize money in this, at this Genesis Scottish Open. And uh, it's it's fun on the golf calendar now to have two two weekends of Lynx golf. And, yeah, and kind of majors, really, in their way. Yeah, to get Scotland. over and get your, your get your time clock right for uh, next week, right at the Open Championship. And uh, this has really become a you know a featured event on the calendar, and uh, the, a star-studded leaderboard right now, including the ageless Patrick Harrington. How about him? Well, Dad, I mean, he's killing the Champions Tour. I know he is. He's playing very very well. He and uh, we didn't talk about it coming out of the Fourth of July, but. Uh, um, gosh, Bernard Longer. No, Longer. Bernard Longer won the uh, I think the he broke the record, Hal Irwin's yeah. record of wins. He, he did. That guy is, he's like 60-something years old, and he's still. Talking about a fit dude now. That dude stays in great shape, the gentleman. Um, got to got to talk. Remember when, when the Champions Tour came to the hills of Lakeway? I remember. Back in I was the day. a big Nick Price fan at that time. I remember when the, gosh, I don't even remember what year that was, but uh, the Champions Tour played out at the beautiful hills of Lakeway. And I remember we, our show was over. And I talked to a good buddy of mine who had played in the, in the Pro-Am with Bernard Longer. And I said, you know, how'd you play? It was the day before our, our show. We were doing the show that morning. And he said, man, I played one of my best rounds. I shot like 72. And I said, wow, nice. And he goes, you know, and I played with Bernard Longer, and he beat me by 12 strokes. He shot a 60. I was like, damn. And then I then I saw Bernard over on the chipping green. I just watched him for several minutes. Just yeah, man, so he's good. an old grinder that gets out there and, and just loves playing the game of golf. and. Keeping his body in great oh, shape. Oh, man, what a, what a player. Uh, but we'll keep you posted. The, the live leaderboard, it's already the afternoon over there, of course, and they're approaching afternoon. So uh, a lot of low scores being posted right now, including one by the lifetime Longhorn, Scotty Scheffler, who is to seven under par. He's uh, five under for his round after a 68 in round one. So pushing the lead right now. We'll keep you posted there. Uh, so that's there. Let's get to the other headlines of your Friday morning. Uh, get you going, including good news for Longhorn baseball. UBO Business Services brings it to you. Yeah, a couple of pieces of really good news for David Pierce and the Longhorn baseball team yesterday. Uh, you know, on Wednesday, we told you Tanner Witt announced that he would be returning to the 40 Acres for another season after being drafted in the 18th round of the MLB draft this week. Well, yesterday, fellow right-hander LeBaron Johnson Jr. followed suit, announcing that he will be back for the Longhorns this coming season. That'll give the Horns a formidable one-two punch atop their pitching rotation in 2024. Also yesterday, the uh, outfielder downtown Porter Brown announced that he will return for a sixth season of college baseball. The San Antonio native and TCU transfer will provide plenty of experience and a strong bat from the left side for the Longhorn outfield in 2024. A clutch performer in the middle of that order last season. Brown posted a 323 batting average at 12 home runs, drove in 59. Texas Longhorn softball team, meanwhile, have added one of the best players from the Atlantic Coast Conference to their roster through the transfer portal. Head coach Mike White announced yesterday that Jolie Mitchell, an infielder who spent four years playing for Notre Dame, signed a scholarship agreement to play for the Longhorns next season. She's a classic power speed threat. Uh, batted 383 last year, was first team all ACC for the Irish, has two years of eligibility remaining. Big news for former Longhorn All-American Ivan Melendez as well this week. The 2022 Collegiate Baseball Player of the Year, who was drafted by the Arizona Diamondbacks in the second round of last summer's MLB draft, had a very strong first half of the season at single-A Hillsboro. They have promoted him to their double-A team in Amarillo. Uh, he'll be playing out West Texas uh, the second half of the baseball season. Speaking of the baseball season, second half of the Major League season does resume, resume tonight following the All-Star break this week. AL West leading Rangers 
And there are six All-Stars. We'll be back at home tonight hosting a weekend series with the Cleveland Guardians. Second place, Houston will open the second half in Anaheim tonight. They're going to face Shohei Otani and the L.A. Angels. Game one tonight with Otani on the mound. Round Rock Express will open a three-game weekend series in Tacoma. E-Train will return to the Dell Diamond Tour for the next home stand coming up on Tuesday. Austin FC back on the pitch at Q2 Stadium tomorrow night, hosting Sporting Kansas City. Following their 2-1 loss at Vancouver on Wednesday night, the Verde enter tomorrow night's match in sixth place in the Western Conference with 29 points on the year. Sporting KC enters in the 11th place. They have been playing better of late. The start time for that match has been pushed back to 8.30 tomorrow night because of the excessive heat. Also from college football, multiple reports this morning that Northwestern will promote defensive coordinator David Bond to serve as the team's interim head football coach for the 2023 season. Bond was just hired by Northwestern back in January to run their defense. He will now be assuming the role of interim head coach in the wake of the firing of Pat Fitzgerald this week. Program is also expected to retain the remainder of that fo- football coaching staff for this year. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. Well, that's tough on that guy. I mean, he comes in there, he gets the defensive coordinator job, brings his staff, and he's excited. One year later, he's he's thinking, man, how does he do it? I mean, how does he how does he do it? Well, I mean, I I guess the argument is he's. He's the freshest of the faces, right? He was. He hasn't been around the program long enough to and be. And his staff, yeah. So, I mean, he was. They were. I mean, we've talked about it all week long. But Northwestern went one and eleven last year. They had a bad year. Pat Fitzgerald's had a lot of great years at Northwestern, but last year was ten win seasons. Of, He's had about four or five. Of those. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it, but last year was was the floor fell out, and uh, maybe that led to some of what we're seeing right now. But either way, yeah, this guy just got there. He was at North Dakota State. And um, get the FB, FCS level. And so, you know, if you're the president and you're, you're making this move and you know you're in for a legal battle with Fitzgerald, but you still have a football season to absolutely to, put, to play, you know, this is probably the, the person furthest removed from the controversy. He's got here. Um, but you like it to be close to some of the goofy players that have yeah. there. I mean, it's, it's a well, hard he's situation. Gonna to clean, he's going to have to clean things up without a doubt. And whether. The, the the tumult that's going on there. But, you know, again, the 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 whistleblower situation started last November. This this thing this thing was started before yeah, was he got there. Through, that's right. You're right. Before he even got there. So uh this is the the argument would be this guy just got here, he's the perfect person to bring a fresh set of eyes and we don't have to go to out and he's been here all through the spring, he's on all through the summer. He knows the roster, he knows the team, they know him, and he can, you know, give a fresh voice and, and move it forward. Now he may not be the coach beyond this year, but at the same time uh, they have a football season to start in 50 days, and uh, he will be in charge of that. David Bond will run Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald, of course, is lawyered up. And uh, now, are they saying the whole rest of the staff, offensively and defensively, will be there? Yeah. Wow. And that that's interesting for sure. But um, you know, at the same time, you got to do what's right for the for the for the roster and the, the team. And at the same time, you have for to the athletic department. You're right. I mean, I guess you, you mean you can't just cancel the season. And you got to give them the best chance in 2023, even with this situation. Whether you agree with the president's decision or not, uh, that is going to be their call. They're going to go in-house. Because there was talk of Paul Christ right here in Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's an analyst for Steve Sarkeesian, coming in for a long time, Wisconsin head coach. Uh, but obviously they're going to stay in Yeah, I think you're right about that. I, I, I got to believe he said, no, that's okay. I'll hang on right to where I am right now for this year. And this looks like a pretty good Longhorn football team. I can things can happen for me. I don't want to walk into that that mess because that's a couple. That's a that's a messy that you have to fix up in a couple years. That just doesn't switch over in one year, one football season for where they are. 
Correct. But, you know, because they still got stuff within their athletic department with baseball, too. To yeah. And then don't, don't, don't sleep on that. Uh, and Northwestern is not in a good spot in their athletic department uh, right this second. And that, that president under fire for, for a lot of this. I mean, the, people are after the president for immediately, yeah. immediately the two-week suspension, which was not enough, which then resulted in a firing, which seemed excessive. Because, well, how'd you go from two weeks to firing? That seems like a flip. So people yeah, who are in support of Patrick Gerald, you're right. You know the president's handling of this has given both sides a lot of ammo. I mean the, you know the, the initial blowback because it was only a two week suspension, but then the, the people in support of Pat Fitzgerald are saying, wait a second, you went from two week suspension to, to, to terminating the guy. That seems quite abrupt. But um, because remember the university did its own, they they hired outside counsel to do a full investigation. Right. And after that was all back. I mean, um, you know, from November through. July. I mean, the multi-month, you know, investigation resulted in the president giving him a two-week, two-week suspension, an agreement with the coach, and then, you know, Monday he was fired after further reporting came out through the school newspaper. So that's ongoing at Northwestern College football season around the corner. Big Twelve football media days wrapped up yesterday. Of course, we had full coverage on Wednesday when the Longhorns were the center of attention. Yesterday, you had K State, the defending champions, with Chris Kleiman. They're in the house saying, "Don't forget about us," as uh, they have their entire offensive line back. Their quarterback is back. And Chris Kleiman, uh, the the best coach in the in the conference right now. Uh, also, Central Florida with Gus Malzahn. They're an interesting team to look at in 2023, Buck, because uh, you know they they have a, a, a returning Veteran, quarterback yeah. in John Reese Plumley who came in from Ole Miss and uh, knows that system. And it's a Gus Malzahn team that you know plans to to surprise some people because of uh, you know you're unfamiliar with his offense and what they're all about. Uh, not on the Longhorn schedule though in 2023. Oklahoma was there yesterday with Brett Venables trying to bounce back from their rough season. 17 transfers, more depth on that team. Um, you know, Dylan Gabriel, Danny Stutzman on defense. Texas Tech was there yesterday. Joey McGuire was wearing his cool red blazer. Oh yeah, he had like his designer Red Raider red, you know, suit coat on. It was looking good. And how about this headline? He said, "We lost Tyree Wilson, who went with the what seventh or eighth pick in the draft to the Vegas Raiders." He said, don't throw anything at me, but I think our D-line room is better than it was last year. He thinks they're really good up front, plus their quarterback room. With, big in the middle. Yeah, the, with Tyler Shuck and uh, Baron Morton at quarterback. Feels really good about that. Cincinnati is in with their new head coach, Scott Satterfield. Iowa State was there yesterday with Matt Campbell. And West Virginia with Neil Brown. Huggy wasn't there. Did Huggy make the trip? Looking for the AD? Never saw Huggy Bear. Um, sure. Been, been reporting that Huggy Bear is in rehab, my friend, and uh, in rehab. Well, that's good. Is where he is right That's now. Absolutely, absolutely great for he and his family. And uh, yes, and that's where he still wants his gig back. His gig back. He's going to come in with his coaching outfit on next week, ready to well, go. I think I think Bob Huggins is realizing he, if he hadn't resigned, they would have had to terminate him, and he would have gotten the buyout. Yes. And he's saying, "Wait a second, why did I do? Why did I make that so easy on them? Even though it was my fault, and I was drunk as a skunk driving and all that stuff." Um, I could have gotten some cash out of this deal. Uh, either way, West Virginia, how about Neil Brown? Uh, West Virginia was picked to finish dead last in the Big 12 in the media poll last week. Longhorns, of course, finished to win the conference. And uh, Neil Brown was asked about that, and he said, well, that bodes well for us based on your poor track record of predicting the Big 12. So <laughs> West Virginia picked to finish last. What a guy holding on by a thread for the last four years. Yeah, he has been on the ropes. But uh, I still think Neil Brown's a good good football coach. It's uh, but, you know, you got to win games. He's just not a good coach at West Virginia. He's got to win football games, obviously. Uh, Iowa State's an interesting team with the returning quarterback, Hunter Deckers, and what Matt Campbell is about. Safe, safe to say that they have slid from where they were with Brock Purdy and Brees Hall and uh, what can they be. 
Iowa State, uh, an interesting They'll team. They'll be good on defense. What is Cincinnati without Luke Fickle, who's now into, off to Wisconsin? Um, Texas Tech, really an interesting team, obviously, with uh, an eight-win season in, in year one for Joey McGuire and then Oklahoma. So good stuff. We'll talk more uh, college football and uh, several texts already in saying what's up with the station and the relationship with the university. Read a post on Facebook, and it seems like there's a divorce of some sort. Uh, that's just uh, radio media, Buck. As, uh, you know, we had a seven-year run as the flagship station for the University of Texas Longhorn Athletics, and it was a great run from uh, 2015 yeah. to now. and congratulations to iHeartRadio. You, know, you and I worked for what yes, was we Clear did. Channel, which is now iHeart. 15 years. iHeart Media, and, uh, well, we were there. We were the Longhorn flagship station on the Zone 8, the 1300 and uh, 98.1 KVET. So they have, you know, it's just a media rights uh, bargaining situation, and uh, they won the media rights with the University of Texas. And that's their choice, right? The UT gets yeah, they the, have a new vision going into the SEC. Yeah, UT negotiates that deal with different media entities, and we were fortunate to have it for seven years here. And uh, now it belongs to the folks down the road. So uh, we will still cover and talk about Longhorn football and all that goes on in Longhorn sports, but the uh, actual play-by-play will uh, not be on these airwaves uh, starting this fall. But uh, By the way, know. that doesn't mean you have a bad relationship with the university. No, not at all. It just didn't work out. Yeah, it's... Uh, you know, and people always ask, we, you know, you actually pay for those rights, right? You actually pay. Oh, they don't pay you. They don't pay you to carry their ball games. You pay them, and then you're supposed to be able to to pro- be profitable on that. But um, you know, our seven year run is is done, and uh, you know, for our company and, and what's going on there. But uh, that is was made official yesterday uh, by the university and by iHeartMedia. So yes, uh, not, I wouldn't call it a a messy divorce of any kind. It was just a negotiation that went to iHeart. And they will have the rights moving forward. We will certainly talk all kinds of college football. And uh, great news for Longhorn baseball yesterday. I mean, this thing is, you know, David Pierce last year came in with a pretty much unknown roster to fans. I mean, outside of a couple of guys, uh, Eric Kennedy um, was, was, a, was a known commodity. Uh, Tanner Witt was, was hurt, but you knew who he was at least. I mean, this year, I mean, you knew who uh, Lucas Gordon was, of course, your starting pitcher on Friday night. There were some guys. But for the most part, with 19 new faces on your roster, it was a, it was a get to know you year. Uh, David Pierce is already starting in a much stronger position into 2023, 24, with the building of his roster. To have Tanner Witt and LeBaron Johnson Jr. coming back atop your rotation to get Porter Brown back for a sixth year, Buck. I know you're losing Dylan Campbell, your your, your right fielder who was drafted by the Dodgers. He's going to sign a major league contract. Uh, Eric Kennedy, your center fielder, he's going to move on. Uh, so Porter Brown at least gives you. One piece of that outfield that you can build around your pitching staff already has two oh foundational goodness, those pieces. Pitching, that pitching staff for for, yeah. for David, who's going to be coaching the pitching. How yeah. good is that for him? Yeah, and I I think it gives you, you a nice start. It really does, and you bring not just two very talented pitchers and right-handers, but two pitchers who should come back with a bit of a chip on their shoulder to because of their draft position, right? Okay, kind of like we talk about with the NBA with the basketball players that tested the draft, and they now know what they need to to go back to work on. And Tanner Witness needs to get healthy. And get himself stretched out so he can, you know, get get that velocity back and get the, the, um, you know, get up on top of that fastball and 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 you know the angles he wants to have, you know, he worked his way back but was never the pitcher that we saw as a freshman coming off Tommy John surgery, and obviously LeBaron Johnson Jr. turned into the ace of the staff argument at the end of the year. I mean that that uh, complete game performance at Miami in the in the regional round was just electric. You just got to hope uh, he continues to grow. Yeah. Just keep getting better. Just and, keep working hard. And the one thing we know from David Pierce in our conversations with him weekly is that no one works harder than LeBaron Johnson. No one takes to the coaching more than that guy. He was a raw piece of clay when he got here. Uh, just a, a big, tall you know, kid with a great arm. And he's learned to be a really good pitcher. And he's got major league stuff. There's no doubt about that. 
I mean, that, that split finger fastball, the middle mid nineties to, to upper nineties fastball, you know, in this day and age when people are, you know, you know, velocity is up, everybody's trying to pitch up, up with the fastball and then, you know, hit the breakers down to, you know, you, you get guy you get guys eye levels up at the top of the zone with the heat and then you drop a breaking ball. Uh, LeBaron pitches down his fastball has a biting downward tilt to it, which is really, really difficult to deal with. Plus, you throw the, the, the sinker that he can throw, the slider, I should say, and that split-finger fastball. You know, he can be, you know, those two can duel to be the Friday starter. I mean, who wants it? Who wants to pitch Friday? The other guy will pitch Saturday if healthy, and then you have to round out your rotation uh, with David Pierce. But that's a really, really good place to start. And when you add Porter Brown back to the middle of your order from the left side, you already know you have Jalen Flores coming back. Uh, the freshman out of San Antonio mm-hmm. who was so good, you know, came on. And obviously Jared Thomas, who started all year long for Texas uh, out of Waxahachie. You know, by the end of the year, he was one of the best players batting leadoff and playing a great brand of first base. So, you know, you already have some pieces in place. Got a nice mix of really young guys and guys, veteran guys that have one more year. Well, remember, Garrett Gilmet, you know, was drafted 15th over in the 15th round by the Astros. He's got a decision to make, but he very well could come back uh, and play and, you know, give you your your, your – Everyday catcher. Now they have a young kid uh, that that they really like at the catcher position as well, who was a freshman last year, who uh, you can build around there too. So, uh, much better situation this summer than I think last summer for David Pierce. And yes, he is taking control of the pitching staff. He's got uh, Troy Tulowitzki back in a developmental role, which can only be a good thing for the program. And uh, Longhorn baseball off to a very very good. Safe to say, this week was a very good week for the Texas baseball program. The draft would win in their favor. Only one of their recruiting class was drafted uh, high in the draft. And only one of their recruiting classes was drafted at all, and that was Travis Sakura out of Round Rock, and he will not be coming to Texas, you have to imagine. But the rest of that recruiting class, which was highly rated, should be rolling in here. So a uh, good week for Texas baseball and David Pierce. Uh, so that is obviously a positive uh, situation there. Uh, for sure. So we'll get more from Big 12 Football Media Days. Yeah, and congratulations to Joey McGuire becoming an ordained minister. Is that right? Yeah, that's awesome. That guy is a, you that's talk cool, about a guy who is a bit of, just a bundle of positivity and wow. energy. Well, that, you're right. Infectious, that guy. And even if you hate Texas Tech, that guy is, he is one of those um, that just, he owns the room when he's in it. He lights it up. And, you know, he's... He loves his quarterback room. Want to have a pose off? You know who he reminds you of when he's, you know, in a room full of coaches? He's like Mac Brown was. I mean, Mac Brown... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mac Brown would own most press conferences, whether he's winning or losing. Mac Brown was uh, was always positive uh, in public. And he was always just, you know, he really one of those guys people gravitate to. And then Joey McGuire's got that some some of that to him as well, whether he was coaching high school football or now here at the... Uh, the major college level. Yeah, he's really Tech. excited about his quarterbacks, which he'll need a lot of them because they generally do during the course of a year. Well, if you saw Tyler Shuck at the end of last year, he was really good. And this is why, right, big, Tyler? They always had those big old dudes. Yeah, Tyler Shuck is the Oregon transfer who could mm-hmm. have been battling injuries since he got to Lubbock. But remember, uh, Texas Tech in year one for Joe McGuire won eight ball games, And they beat Oklahoma and they beat Texas and they beat Ole Miss in a bowl game in a game in which Tyler Shuck played really well. They also have Baron Mortens as a backup quarterback. And you know, Joe McGuire you know, boldly saying, you know, we feel like we have one of the best quarterback rooms, not just in the Big 12, but in the country. Tyler Shuck's 23 years old and has played a lot of college football. Uh, and they feel really, really good about him. And if, if something were to happen to him and he has battled injuries, Baron Morton. got backups, yeah. Um, they, call, they call Baron Morton the Bear Raid. The Bear Raid. And he's ready to, to ratchet up. Because Donovan Smith, of course, the big talk kid who beat Texas last yep. year with all those fourth down conversions, he's now at the University of Houston. He's transferred to, to play for Dana Holgerson. He's going to be the starting quarterback for the Cougars, but they still have Shuck and Morton, a great defensive line. Their whole offensive line returns at Texas Tech as well. First-team all Big 12 receiver 
there at Texas Tech. Um, you know, they still got the running back. And back. the running back returns to him. Yeah, they're they're they they've got the pieces. They they just on paper they look kind of like Texas T- TCU did last year. Mm-hmm. Just a very old team, like veteran football team. Uh, now, are they as talented as what TCU and TCU ended up with? You know, first and second and third round draft picks and like seven or eight players into the national no, football not league. Like that. I don't know if Texas Tech is there, but you know they they certainly, as far as the age of their team, the maturity of their team, um, and the strengths of their team, which would be veteran quarterback, offensive and defensive lines are veteran and, and returning. Yeah, their quarterback's not team. like the guy they had at TCU last year. They don't have a guy that looks like he's going to New York. They just got solid play. Well, you wouldn't have said that about Max Duggan last year at this time. But I'm not, I'm not saying Tyler Shuck's going there. But Joey, if you listen to Joey McGuire, he would tell you. At six four and a half and in two hundred pounds, that this guy could have a Max Duggan like year, but that's that's what you say in July. You know what I mean? That's what you're supposed to say in July. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it, you know, the, his last his his November of last year and into the bowl game would give you, if you're a Texas Tech fan, at least you could you could defend that argument that he can have a you know all, all conference kind of year at quarterback with the weapons they have and in that in that uh, Zach Kilty offense that that you know the air raid offense that they run. Um, so Texas Tech, interesting team in 2023. Uh, team to watch for sure. Oklahoma also, obviously, with Brett Venables uh, needing a better year. We're going to talk to our friend uh, Tyler McComas. Does great sports radio and uh, writing up there in Oklahoma City, uh, Greater Norman. We'll talk to him about the Sooners and what he gleaned from Big 12 Media Days over two days. That'll be in our next hour. Also, later on in the show, our friend Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's Texas Football will give us his thoughts after two days in Arlington. Uh, so, plenty of college football chatter. We'll get some BE facts of the day coming up. We'll talk to you, of course, on the show of the people. Specs text line always available at 512 337 3776. Ty Henderson is through the glass. Buck is here. I'm here. You're here. It's a Friday on BE. You too of the old flag. It's Bucky and Aaron. A little bit of breaking news. We're talking about Northwestern and their situation with Pat Fitzgerald. Well, according to the USA Today, late yesterday, Northwestern has fired their baseball coach as well. And Jim Foster is out. Chicago Tribune report was uh, first to report that coach engaged in bullying and abusive behavior of players. And he is out as well. So major shakeup at Northwestern on the banks of uh, Lake Michigan there in Evanston, Illinois. We'll keep you posted there. Also breaking news, Philip Rivers' wife is pregnant with her 10th child, according to TMZ. And Philip Rivers says, we are all fired up for number 10. He's got a whole team now. Fired up for 10. (laughs) We love Philip Rivers. I thought four was was a lot. Yeah, three was plenty for me. And eight. Three great kids, But they're all adults now, 21 and above. They've got three 21-plus. So that's good, but Philip Rivers is going. I love the household of eight that I grew up in. Yeah, well, that's you know that's how, Very that's how fortunate it used to, to be. have meals. Everything was good. That's right. And as uh, Craig Way sent us pictures, uh, he was back in North Carolina this this month and sent pictures of your childhood home, man, in Greensboro. What was it on Benbow Road? Benbow Road, eighteen oh three. I don't know why we remember these things. I always talk about the mean streets of Akron, Ohio, where I grew up. Do you, first, you remember your address? Two forty eight Dayton Place. Do you remember your girlfriend's, your first girlfriend's telephone? Do you remember her first telephone number by any chance? Do you remember the phone number to her house? No, but I I remember my grandma's phone number. You do? Wow. 688-3970, maybe. I used to call my grandma all the time. Uh, Yeah, it's weird what you remember. I got married to Cindy Grubb when we were six years old. Oh, you had this cigar ring? Because she had a swing set. She had a playground in her backyard, and I wanted to play on her playground. So she said, well, then we have to get married. And I said, okay. Took one of those little Pepsi tops and put it on her finger, and bang, I got to play on her playground. Yep, it was Sherry Blunt. Her dad was a doctor, <laughs> and I was Poe down the road. And they had the they had the Lincoln Continental, and it was 
Aggie, Aggie colored, and the door in the back opened up the opposite way, and it was so cool. And that was the girl who stuck her tongue down my throat oh. in sixth grade, and I didn't know what that meant or what that was all about. Pulled me into a, to a classroom at a CYO basketball game, and I thought kissing was just going to be lips touching. And next thing I knew, something went down, and I was like, I backed up and said, hey, hey, hey what are you doing? What are you trying to do to me? Get on it, get on in there. Let's go. <laughs> get on in there. Like you're kind of yeah, fast for a seventh, sixth, sixth grader, aren't you? Well, you know, look, I mean, it, and then you know, life revisits itself because you know, you want to get on the playground as you get older. You got to probably get married too. You know what I'm saying? You got to give some. Yeah. You get some. And so you know, to get on the playground and the swing set, I was willing to go there with Cindy Grubb. There was you, also, get, you were going to get married. You put that ring on. That's how. That's that was her only. That was her requirement. Require to allow me to use her play on her place at playground. Wow, it was just one of those little rickety aluminum things. Oh, probably, I love it. Probably wasn't even cracker jack ground. Box deal. Yeah, but it had swings and it had like a like a slide on it. So I was in. That was cool for a six year old in the mean streets. There was also a girl on our street named named Irma, and she was a round shouldered young girl. Oh yeah, so and like my neighbor on Bimbo this? Road between this the fence. True, this is a true story. My brother, he took my favorite Matchbox car and bashed it with a hammer and told me that Irma sat on it. Nice. Yeah. Body shaming early. <laughs> he was. Well, then he was just playing a prank. I said, well, because I knew he did. Well, I thought he did that. And he said, no, no, Irma, Irma sat on it. I was like, come on, man, you're mean. I had took it to my mom. And said, hey, Irma sat on it. And I think it was back when I couldn't teach. I, I, I said, Irma the grill. I couldn't say girl. <laughs> Irma the grill sat on my matchbox car. That grill sat all over my car. Yeah, it was not good. But yeah, Dayton Place, man. Brick Road. It was a brick road. Like, like uh, you know, red brick, uh, you know. Up and down, and we've been back to it. So I remember when I, we went back with my my family, uh, my wife and kids, and we went down. We, I, I showed them the house, and my my kids were like, "Man, you really did grow up on the mean." You streets. were poor, weren't you? <laughs> you were on the mean street, man. I mean, it looks worse now than it did in the seventies because that's when I lived there from nineteen seventy three to eighty when we moved to Houston. But uh, yeah, it's 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 in rougher shape now than it was. So got some support from the kids. About There's the no mean front porch on my house when I watched. There was some wood. We had a porch. We, yeah, we had a, we had the like cement porch, like a tall, skinny oh, row. Oh yeah, house. I like think my, I pushed east. my brother off that thing plenty of time. Oh yeah, my brother went off of that porch on his little walker, his little baby walker deal. Just Woo! walked right off the edge, right down. Yeah, that's bad news. But yeah, the mean streets, and uh, you know, Craig Way is back from Greensboro and had pictures of your your childhood home because you moved from Greensboro to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yes. How old were you for that? Uh, I was just going into seventh grade. Okay, yeah, because I was fifth grade and we moved to Houston. And I pitched the fit like I would never, hey, please do me a favor. Let me stay here with somebody else. You guys move on. I'll stay here. Because I was playing a lot of Little League baseball with Vince Evans, former quarterback at USC. Bob McAdoo was basketball, Curly Neal. It was, it was great. Charlie Sa- the great Charlie Sanders, the tight end. Man, the Detroit Lions. dudes there. I was around some dudes. I, and, and Craig actually showed me the, the, the park where we played basketball. It was just two blocks from my house right down the road at Gillespie Park. Gillespie Park. Yeah, Gillespie Park were the higher ups in my neighborhood. We lived in Gillespie Park. Yeah, so from the mean streets of North Hill for me to the, the suburbs of Houston. I tell you this story when we moved to Houston when I was eight, my brother was nine, and we were kind of freaking out, right? We heard we were moving to Texas, and it's like, well, what is this going to be all cowboy hats and, you know, cows and horses and things? That's what you, that's what you think in 1980, you know, in Ohio. All you think of, of Texas, we're going to Texas. Okay, I mean, obviously Houston was a. No big city, and we'd know what it is, but didn't know that at the time. So we get there, Buck, and we 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 moved in, and and we moved to Houston in March, uh, early March. So we get there, 
and we drove in. We we drove into our new house in the suburbs of Houston in the middle of the night, really, and just went to bed. Uh, but they had already secured a house, and obviously, and our our the, the Mayflower truck bringing all the furniture and stuff was coming the next day. So we got to the house and um, uh, slept there. And so we get up the next morning, and guess what? Guess what shows up? The Mayflower truck. So we open it up, and they got our, our bikes on it. So now my brother and I, while they're unloading the truck, can ride around the neighborhood. Wow. So we go up to the school, that the elementary school we're going to be attending, and we're, we're just like, and school's getting out, and we're like, okay, we're going to check this out. You know, we're just going to scope this we're deal out. We see the people coming out. And how about this? I mean, for, I mean, you couldn't write this in a movie script. It was it, because it was the rodeo was starting down in Houston. It was Go Western Day. So everybody pours out of this school, and they're wearing cowboy hats. And you're going, and, I'm out of the dress like this? Yeah. I mean, we went racing home to our parents. Like, what in the way? Seriously? Like, and it was, it was the height of Love You Blue, 1980. And so everybody's coming out with, like, these Love You Blue colored cowboy hats and shirts. And every person, every kid was dressed up uh, for, for Go Western Day. Oh, my deal is, what are all these white people doing here in Pennsylvania? <laughs> what am I doing? Where am I? Yeah, then you went from The only thing the white only, in my only... neighborhood in, North, in Greensboro was the nuns at the— at the Catholic school. Other than that, you'd have to go a long way in that city to get to, to oh. where anything was white. I got to Pennsylvania. I'm like, you went from all 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 colored. Yes, at that time, yes. You were negro negro to colored to yeah to African American. Then we only only black. I was kid. just starting <laughs> to get to African. No, I wouldn't even get into African American. I was getting. I was still. It was still kind of colored when I got to to uh, Pennsylvania, but there was there was Puerto Ricans were as close to colored as you could get. At that time in my area. That's culture shock for sure. It was a culture shock. I was in tears. So you're probably 10 or 10 or 11 at that time. I was in tears. I mean, trust me, we went home, but we were so mad at our parents. We were like, you lied. You said we don't have to wear cowboy hats and boots and all this <laughs> Look stuff. Look at these kids. And my, my neighbor across the street was like, what is he talking to them? They don't wear that. They were they're just wearing normal clothes. And then they realized it was go wet. I mean, it couldn't have been. The timing couldn't have been. Because we, we middle of the night on a Thursday, and this was Friday morning. So we show up on Friday afternoon, and it's go Western day. Uh, what, what, a, what are the odds of that? I mean, any other day would have been normal. But we were traumatized. We were freaked out. Somebody said that was probably the year of the urban cowboy. Yeah. I mean, it was serious business, and it was the ever. And then so I, you don't have any of this in the closet. Nothing. I said fifth grade. I, said, I moved there in second grade, second grade, because I went to second. I went to third, fourth, and fifth grade at that elementary school. Uh, I was in second grade. I apologize. I was eight years old. But so yeah. But until I ended up going to that school, it's a great school, and you know, just normal, normal suburbs of Houston. But uh, yeah, that was a shock, man. And I'm sure it was for you to go from Are the, you kidding the, all me? white people. Like what? <laughs> Uh, and it got to be people are just people, people kids, are, and kids are just kids. That's right. All they want to do is run around and find a way to get in trouble and, and just ha- enjoy the neighborhood. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, uh, good stories for sure uh, on the uh, the Craig Way return from your, wow. your hometown. And Craig Way grew up there, too, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah. So you and Craig share a hometown. And you guys are similar in age. Uh, you're a little older than Craig, right? A little, just you're a little. quite a bit older than Craig. Well, if it's over 10, yeah. I'm trying to think how old Craig. Craig's 50... Isn't that 58 You're, area? You 60? and Monty are similar in age. Craig and you, different. But, yeah, Craig yeah. grew up there, too, in, in North Carolina as well. So, all right. Great, it was a great town. What's that? It's a great town. It really was a great place. North to, Carolina a and North Carolina. So my father went to college. North Carolina a and mm. At that time, it was an all-black college. <laughs> all I mean, all black. Then you black. went to all-white Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Oh, man. And went to Bethlehem Catholic, where you and the only other only other colored kids in your school were your brother. It was your brother, right? Brother, yeah. At that time, I went from, and then I went to Boston College. I mean, I went through shocks. I mean, it was, yeah. I went from the steel mill city to the city of Boston to go to college. 
And I tr- and when I got to the city of Boston, I saw that town. I was like, no, not going to Penn State, <laughs> not going to Temple, not going to Clemson. I'm going there. I'm going to the Unbelievable. city. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I went to. We moved to. I went to school at St. Edward's. So we both went to. I went to. I went to the the uh, Holy Cross Brothers Catholic School. You went to the Jesuits. So I never had to worry about if I was going to have cowboy boots on. I had. A, <laughs> I was uniformed throughout my life and what I had to wear. Oh man, yeah. Well, we. I left. Uh, Catholic school when we left Ohio. I was going to do a Catholic Girls uh, in Catholic school, school. pretty fast now. Saint, uh, Saint they, Mar- moved, that is, going, they moved at a fast pace. Yeah, I went from St. Martha's Catholic school to uh, public school in Houston. Okay, so there's some memories. Walk down memory lane. We'll Love get it. to some B&E facts of the day. Also more from Big 12 Football Media Days. Now that it's in the books, two days, 14 teams. We're going to recap it today with some great guests. Tyler McComas will join us coming up in our next hour. Talk some Oklahoma football. What are the Sooners thinking for Brett Venables in 20 and 23? Obviously, it's got to be better than last year. Also, our buddy Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's Texas Football will lean in on it. Uh, his thoughts and takeaways after the two days and more from from Big 12 Football Media Days. Also, uh, Texas baseball continuing to get good news as they build their roster for 2024 uh, and the rest of the day. Baseball's back tonight in the major leagues after the All-Star break. We'll detail that and certainly talk plenty of college football this morning. Coming back, though, some B&E facts of the day to get you to the top of the hour. It's b on the Horn. B&E. Hey, let me just say this. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. You know, these memories, and we're getting on the text line, dang memories. I mean, I, I, I love them. I, I am so fortunate at 68 to still have some of those memories because my grandfather had Alzheimer's at a, you know, in his in his late 50s, he developed really? Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, And when he, when Craig Way was going to 1803 Bimbo Road, my grandfather used to his his daily routine was to walk from that house all the way up to the civic center, where Curly Neal, where I chased Curly Neal around trying to get the basketball for him, and he just made a fool of all the kids growing up in that part. And it was probably about a mile and a half. And uh, yes, I didn't walk through the snow, but I I trekked that about every day to get to school every morning, up to uh, Miraculous Metal, um, Our Lady Catholic, of Miraculous Our Lady of Miraculous Metal. That's that's where I went to. That. But my grandfather walked up and down that street till he died. He would go up to the corner of that and then walk back. That was his daily routine all day. Drink water and go up there, and then he passed away. And, he, and that was early. He passed away as a, as a young man. So I'm, I'm happy to still have those memories and, remind, and remember those things, some of those things that happened, which is fantastic. Thank you, God. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Friday on B&E with some B&E facts of the day, including uh, the Big 12 Media Days have wrapped up. Uh, Brett Yormark, the commissioner, Confirmed and, and conceded this week that uh, you know last year getting ahead of the media rights, you know parade and getting the deal done for the Big Twelve that secured the twelve current the the, the, the twelve teams that'll be in the Big Twelve when Texas and Oklahoma leave next year was critical uh, to where they are right now. He said the media landscape has changed so much since one year ago that they couldn't have gotten the deal that they got uh, last year right now, uh, and that's allowing them to be in a, in a power position, big picture. He also did not rule out that. They could stay at 12 teams after mm-hmm. Texas and Oklahoma leave in 2024. But, you know, you got to give Brett Yormark a lot of credit coming in and taking over for Bob Bowlesby, but hitting the ground running and getting that media rights deal secured with ESPN. And really, if that hadn't happened, Buck, Texas and Oklahoma wouldn't have been heading to the SEC in 2024. They would have made them hold out to 2025. Right. Uh, that would have just – they would have forced that. And instead, getting that deal done uh, allowed this and obviously being aggressive to add the four teams and – Bring in Houston and Central Florida and, uh, you know, a national brand like BYU, Cincinnati, who has had a good run here. 
uh, and then wrapping up that media rights deal. And now he's you know not done. They're not done, I don't believe, at the Big 12 level. I think he has an incredible plan for the basketball yeah, programs of the, yeah, the Big 12. The big basketball idea, which I think is very smart, and uh, a new revenue stream potentially, where it's not just football, but basketball really. I mean, you know, making the, the Big 12 basketball brand something you can sell on its own. To, to TV networks and that's 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 unique that's new and but man if you because remember the, the big 12 can't confirm this but they're negotiating and talking to Colorado and Arizona right now yep. to add you know to, to get this, the conference back to 14 when Texas and Oklahoma leave and obviously there's a thought in the conference office that if Colorado and Arizona come that eventually you know that'll be the end of the pac 12 and Arizona State and Utah may join and you know you know you're to a 16 team conference uh, when you get the if you were able to get the four corner schools well, think about the basketball conference. Let's just play that out. And you were able to somehow secure a deal with Gonzaga as a basketball-only school, which they have had deep talks with. And there's also been rumblings of UConn, uh, maybe as a member, but also just maybe a basketball member. Um, wow. Well, think about that basketball conference coast-to-coast to sell you know, basketball all day on a Saturday or, or on a – and then you know, games of the week where you've got – you know, East Coast UConn, which is a power. You've got, uh, you know, West Virginia, even with the Bob Huggins thing, is a really good basketball program. Cincinnati has Zyber. been a really good basketball program. Kansas, of course. I'm just going from east to west. Wow. But, you know, Kansas is Kansas. Uh, Houston joining the conference with, with, with Kelvin Sampson. That's a power program, no doubt. Baylor has become a power for Scott Drew. Uh, and then, of course, on, to the west, if you had Arizona and Gonzaga and a Utah that's been a really good program at times, that's really a, a deep and tremendous Texas Tech. Uh, obviously has, has had good runs in basketball. So, I mean, that's what he's trying to position to where, okay, SEC might be the biggest and, and baddest football conference, but we're going to be the biggest and baddest basketball conference in college, and we're going to push that. Uh, so that he's got a plan. And obviously you're never going to keep up in the Big 12. The, the, the remaining 12 Big 12 teams will never keep up with the SEC or the Big 10 in football. They'll be media, number right? three, though. Yeah, you'll be number three, a strong number three. Uh, but you'll never and, keep and up. And like with Gundy, Gundy was mad about Oklahoma leaving. Sure, he said they were still. You know, number three ain't bad. No, there's a difference between number one and number three. Yeah, Coach Gundy, big time. Yes, uh, but it's better than being number four or five, without yeah. a doubt. Oh, without oh, a doubt. No. But point being, the Big Twelve will never keep up with the SEC and the Big Ten and overall media rights for football and in general. But if you can take the really strong football position you're in, which is third or right there with the sure. ACC, and make basketball. A revenue stream that that is its own entity. You will pump, survive. Yeah, you'll be in a good place. And and you push basketball. Uh, you know that that he. This is the, the and I will give. Um, you know, a lot of people give Larry Chauvinek, the uh, the president of Texas Tech, a lot of credit for. You know, while a lot of school presidents were angry at Texas and Oklahoma when they left. You know, I'm sure he was a little bit bitter, but at the same time, he he was the one that said, you know what, we need new leadership. Um, you know, we were slow to react. This is why you know this is happening at, at a lot of levels. And we need to go be aggressive and bring in new leadership with a vision, new leadership that's outside of the college athletics realm who can come in and, and bring a, a fresh perspective on how we can grow our conference. And I think Brett Yormark was, was just the guy for that. So I think the Big 12 is going to be just fine when Texas and Oklahoma leave. And obviously Texas and Oklahoma will be off to the Southeastern Conference next year. But one more year, Buck. One more year. We'll get it done this year, especially in football, yeah. for both programs. Let's see you in the championship game. Well, see you in Dallas, and then see you in, da- in Fort Worth at the end. Well, I do think they, with the media, would have have it right with Texas and Oklahoma. Excuse me, Texas and K State is the favorites, and then you know Oklahoma and Texas Tech is right there at number three, kind of one, kind of three, that, that third team. Who's that surprise team? I think I think you and I agree it's Baylor. Yeah, I just think I, I have a high opinion of Dave Aranda uh, as a coach and as a defensive mind. 
Yeah, I'm trying to figure out why do I really think Baylor – I'm still believing in their quarterback. I'm, I'm believing in that guy's experience if he doesn't get knocked out because he takes some bad hits. He's got some of that Tua in him when he hits the ground. They hit him hard when they hit – or he just falls poorly. You know, or he just takes a – Well, ba- I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the Shapin. Charlie Brewer was the one that took all the hits. Oh, and Shapin took some hits too. I mean, he got – God, he's gotten slammed a couple times. But, I, I mean, and he hangs in there. He's one of those kids that thinks he's a runner when – He's a thrower. He should be. But they've also had some talented wide receivers. And they also had a good offensive line. So it's going to be interesting to well, see I'll how they do. i say it over offense. and over again. we got a pretty for, good running back. If Baylor's going to get back to be that surprise team, it's going to, defense. Be, it's going to be defense. Yes. Because their, their offense, I mean, Dave Aranda's never going to. You know, Jeff Grimes in that outside zone, they're going to be what they are offensively. They're going to run the they're ball. They're going to run the ball. They're is going right. to be physical. Try to find a, a right, wide receiver. They'll run play go action to. off of that. But they got to play better defense. When they won the Big 12, mm-hmm. they were – the best defense in the conference. NFL studs they had on their team. Yep. Um, and that's what Dave Aranda wants to be, quite honestly. And, you know, that's if they don't get back to playing better defense in Waco, they won't be a contender because that, 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 that offense will not be built to win shootouts. They've got to keep the game low, low scoring, and win with their physicality uh, and Dave Aranda's coaching staff. But uh, interesting. We'll get more thoughts from Big 12 Media Days. We're actually going to go north of the Red River to uh, Oklahoma City, check in with our buddy Tyler McComas. What are the uh, Sooners feeling? In year two for Brett Venables, who was on uh, point yesterday there in the podium, answering questions. We'll talk to Tyler. Also later on, Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's Texas Football with a big picture conversation, what he learned from Big 12 Media Days over two days uh, for the uh, the Bible, from the Bible of Texas Football, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. That's all coming. It's a busy Friday. We've gotten you to the end of your work week, and uh, it's going to be a hot one, but it's going to be a weekend at that. So we'll get you there. It's beating on 104.9, 1019 AM, 1260. Stream it always on your Horn app on your smart speaker and at hornfm.com.